Welcome to City of God, a podcast of the Center for Public Theology at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. My name is Dr. Owen Strand, and I'll be your host. Join us each week as we engage the city of man with the biblical wisdom of the city of God. Welcome to City of God. Today on the podcast, my dear friend Jason Dees, Senior Pastor of Christ Covenant in Atlanta, Georgia. Jason is a graduate of Auburn University. He's a Ph.D. graduate of Southern Seminary, and uh, we were at Southern uh, during our MDiv time together as well. As I say, uh, a friend of mine and a man that I really uh, am thankful for and who is being used to do some serious kingdom work. Jason, welcome to the podcast. I am so honored to be a part of this, Owen. You know, obviously, so admire you, uh, so grateful for your friendship, and just so admire your work. And really, uh, I love the podcast. I mean, I think it's such a helpful tool to thank you for all the ministry you're doing, from raising up young thinkers and leaders, uh, future pastors and ministry leaders, to uh, all that you do in terms of writing, and then even something like this, uh, even just helping uh, people think through uh, the implications of the city of God as we spend our days in the city of man. So thank you, brother. Wow. And just so everybody knows, he was not reading off copy that I wrote for him there. Um, <laughs> either the very kind words about me or then the excellent uh, connection between Augustinian categories. So thank you for that, Jason. What we are talking about today is uh, how to be a man. Uh, that's really the, the broad topic. And we're going to talk about this in, in two spheres, okay, Jason? Um, we're going to talk first about kind of how to be a man at the principial level, biblically uh, and theologically from the Bible, but we're not going to spend actually a ton of time there. We're, we're going to nail that to the wall because we should, we must, but then we're actually going to start diving in this podcast into how you do that practically, how, how you become yeah. a man practically, and then we're going to carry that over into the next podcast to be released later this week. So does that sound good to you? You, you up for this? Great. I'm in. You and I, as complementarian men and as complementarian uh, preachers and teachers, we're going to say that a man should fundamentally do a few things that Scripture lays out. Uh, men should lead, protect, and provide. And there's other things we could say along with that. We could say disciple. Uh, we could say learn. This isn't going to be um, a text fest here. This is a podcast. But in talking about lead, protect, and provide for uh, a wife and kids, where are you going biblically uh, to ground, to begin grounding these ideas? Well, you know, the, the word I kind of put at the top of that category that I think speaks to um, the leadership, the protection, the provision of a, that a man provides for his family, there's really something that be, that's behind all of that. Like anything that you see in Scripture uh, about manhood or who men should be, there's this one of the things that I've discovered in my study of Scripture is there's this behind that there's this there is this the idea of what I call initiation right mm. God has called men to be initiators right so I mean even in the very beginning of Scripture when God is giving Adam a helpmate in Eve mm -hmm. what is what is there well there's there's an implied leadership. And there's an implied initiation of, you know, we don't ever see in the narrative that Adam is to teach Eve how to help him or, or, or what her roles are. Or, you know, something I always think is interesting 
is we don't see in the Bible that um, God ever gives Eve the command to not eat of the knowledge of the uh, the tree of the knowledge of the fruit of good and or tree of the knowledge of the fruit of good and evil. Yes. But what do we see in chapter three? Eve knows the command, right? And so hmm. there's there's an implication that the man was leading his household well. He was washing his water with the word, washing his wife with the water of the word of God. And he was teaching his wife. He was initiating that. And and really from provision to protection um, to disciple making in the home um, to learning who your wife is, living with your wife in an understanding way. To, I think to all the things that God calls husbands to, and, and even not husbands, even just men in general to, yes. there is uh, this initiating factor. We are called toward leadership. I guess you could say, you know, initiation and leadership really go go hand in hand. We're called to take responsibility. We're called to own. And, and again, I think you just see that throughout the biblical text, whether it's the creation narrative or whether it's the um, particular instructions to husbands and wives and, and fathers and mothers. You know, one, actually this week, Owen, I'm preaching uh, on Ephesians 6. You know, fathers don't provoke your children either, but teach them in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Hmm. Well, what is that, right? First of all, he's giving the command to fathers, even though obviously mothers have uh, an amazing role, uh, an important role in the discipline, in raising their children, the discipline and instruction of the Lord. But the, the initiating role of that is the father. Mm-hmm. It, it, you're, you're the one that can either provoke your children to anger in the way that you initiate leadership in the home, or you're the one that can actually lead your children to love, delight in the Lord, to know God, to know His will, and uh, to walk in His way. Yeah, in a way that is very hard to sum up and account for in a kind of precise physiological or biological sense. Men lead no matter what. Men initiate. I love that category you've given us, no matter what. In other words, men can either lead in a virtuous or an unvirtuous direction, but however they lead, that tends to set the tone for the family. That tends to set things up. You see the stats as just one example of when a godly man leads his family to go to church, not in any kind of fancy theological way, just, you know, he he does what a man should do, and he brings the family to a Bible-preaching church. The stats on children becoming born-again Christians are out of out of the house. They, they, they blow up the roof. Yeah. They're so high. Whereas when a man does not lead the family to go to church, uh, th- those children uh, have, have a like 3% uh, chance of becoming a Christian in statistical terms. I- in other words, there is this amazing and rarely talked about correlation uh, on that level and many others between fatherly authority, what the man leads the family to do, and the welfare of his wife and kids. Yeah, and, and to your point, just the uh, the child's ability to themselves, particularly for sons, obviously, to initiate, to be leaders on the sports field, in the classroom, wherever it may be, yes, is so determined by how the father is initiating leadership in the home. And again, you just see that it's a generational thing. And uh, you're so right. How we understand what manhood is, and I, and I really want to talk about this, you know, today, 
it, it, the, the role of father, you and I are both fathers, obviously. And, you know, as I raise my son, I, I feel even more than maybe with my daughter. And I know that's probably bad to say, um, um, but because I love my daughter, I cherish my daughter, but I, I feel this weight of, I have to not just only teach them to the fear and discipline of the Lord. I have to teach them how to be a man yes. and, um, and what that means. And that's a special role that I have in a masculine sense toward my son that, you know, I don't have in the same kind of way toward Imrana. I mean, those are things that Paige will show her a femininity and Paige is, you know, such a great model of, you know, what I would call a biblical femininity. Yes. Um, and so I'm so grateful for that. You know, I feel like, okay, well, Imriana just needs to look toward her, but these sons are looking toward me. And, and that's a, that's a huge weight that I have to carry. It is a huge weight. You're absolutely right. Um, connecting this in the new Testament. Uh, and then we're going to move on in our discussion. Ephesians five, you mentioned Ephesians six, Ephesians five, 22 to 33. For those out there listening, for whom this conversation may honestly be somewhat new in different senses, men being called to be an initiator, if you go to Ephesians 5, 22 to 33, you're going to see that all three of those fundamental duties and callings of uh, a godly man's life, as God gives him a family in particular, are lined out in different ways. Lead, protect, and provide. The husband is head of his wife, uh, even as Christ is head of the church, so he has headship in the home. Uh, The husband is called to uh, love his wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So, So the husband gives himself up for the family. Uh, the, we recognize that that Christ is the one who lays down his life to protect the church, to protect his bride. So we could say more about this. We could have, man, we could have multiple podcasts just about this passage, Ephesians 5. Oh, man. But, but so well, I, just, I mean, yeah. Yeah, and what is all that anchored in, Owen? What is all of those instructions, uh, I would say kind of the the submission instructions, you know, kind of branching off of verse 21, mm-hmm. they all are actually anchored in what I always say is the greatest, and I think I'm stealing this from James Montgomery Boyce, the greatest expectation that's ever been given to anyone, verse 1, <laughs> yes. therefore, be imitators of God, right? And so uh. we're actually, in the way that we lead, protect, and provide, I mean, as you're mentioning this, obviously, as it relates to Christ and the gospel, but this all is pointing to this drama that we are called to play out as followers of God, as creations of God, to display his, if you will, love and initiation and leadership. And so all of this ultimately is we're modeling God. We're, we're being like God. And, and men have a particular calling in that that is so important. And, you know, you mentioned the, those statistics about kids going to church or whatever. I, I just, it's, it's by design, right? God has entrusted this responsibility. He has entrusted the stewardship to men mm-hmm. of initiation and leadership, and it is a precious and great responsibility. And again, not that he has not entrusted some of these things. He's not entrusted precious and great responsibilities to women. Of course right, right. he has, but his order is so um, is so beautiful and right. And ultimately, as we follow his order, he is on display. That's exactly right. A theologian we both uh, uh, revere uh, and respect, Bruce Ware, has talked a good bit in his writing and speaking about fatherhood in a, in a biblical sense, an earthly sense, that is, 
that is shaped by divine fatherhood. So uh, though that is truly impossible in human strength, and though there is an infinite ontological gap between God the Father and every human father, nonetheless, texts like the one uh, we're talking about and others actually in different forms connect our fatherhood to God's fatherhood. Again, not that we can ever be like him, and yet we can't back away from this. Today, a lot of younger evangelicals aren't necessarily hearing much about divine fatherhood and human fatherhood. You need to connect it carefully, but you also need to make sure that we understand, as fathers, that we are a little tiny distant reflection of the Heavenly Father. So in our homes, this initiator role that you're rightly lining out here, we actually have this responsibility and this joyful privilege of giving, again, a tiny glimpse of a Heavenly Father. What a what a glorious weight on our shoulders that we have. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I was actually telling a group, we have a little pastor school that meets here, and I was talking to them actually this morning. It's funny, we, talk, we were talking about spiritual disciplines, but I was talking to them about this this verse, um, Ephesians five one, is why it's on my mind. Um, and I, you know, therefore, so in Christ, because you've been called by God to be His son or daughter in Christ, therefore, what is the response to what God has given us? Mm-hmm. You know, is it, is it therefore go start a Fortune five hundred company? Um, that would be a huge responsibility, but that's not what God calls us to. Is it therefore go run a marathon? Is it therefore go start a nonprofit? No, no. Therefore imitate God. <laughs> this is the highest calling ever. And as you, as you said, like, of course, like th- we are sinful people in need of great redemption and we are trusting in God for that redemption. We can't do this fully and perfectly, but this is what we're called to. And this is what, this is the standard that God has laid out for us. Um, and that, you know, if I'm realizing that weight, particularly for my children, but really for everyone around me, but if for Paige and for my children, I am to imitate God and his character and his initiation, his action, um, and, and his love and his mercy, I mean, all, all of his character, um, and that is something that gets me fired up every day and calls me to something that is so great and so big that I want to be a part of that. Amen. It's going to be, I think, evangelistic. It's going to call out to Christians who who are, for example, in churches that don't talk much about this stuff. This culture of Ephesians 5, loving authority in the home, is going to be, again, I'll repeat it, evangelistic and disciple-making, because we as Christian fathers don't choose between being loving or being authoritative. Uh, that choice is often faced uh, by, by counterfeits out there in their systems, in their That's worldviews. Right. We actually are greedy. We bring the two together, and just like our Heavenly Father, who is so loving, so loving to His covenant people, uh, we bring this together in Christ by the power of the Spirit, and we seek every day we live to, to exhibit uh, a loving authority in the home, a Christ-like self-sacrificial authority, a real leadership authority uh, in the home, and in doing so, we give that distant reflection. I love how you're bringing out how actually the Bible does call us to imitate God and be like Christ in this passage. That's so important, and it's these things are being lost all around us, especially in a fatherless society, and yet here we are, man, striking up a match in the dark- darkness. And, well, uh, I'm glad you bring that up, though, because, I, you know, there is a part of me and, you know, we do a, a ton of work in West Atlanta and, you know, it just breaks my heart um, because there's there's a great absence of 
manhood and fathers in you know that part of our city and um and I'm so grateful for some of the men that God has called to that part of our city and that are being fathers to children who are not their own yes um but I feel almost a little you know uh, I'm grateful on one side but also guilty because I have had God has given me so much it's like golly what what did I ever do and of course the answer is nothing. It's only God's grace. Mm. I have had so many fathers in my life. I mean, my own father, such a model of love and authority, right? So that's never been a weird category or a hard category for me because my dad, you know, I was terrified him of him and I loved him in the best ways all at the same time. Yes. You know, he definitely had authority in our home. Um, I did not want to cross him. John Dees, you know, he's a, he's a big man. Um, (laughs) But I, but he was so warm and so loving and so good. And you know, again, I've, I've just, I was talking to church a few weeks ago about just other men in my, um, that were you know youth group volunteers or Sunday school teachers, um, and you know even as an elementary school uh, kid who had male Sunday school leaders that were really fathers to me that yes. were obviously an authority, but were so warm and so kind and so loving and so gracious. And then of course. You know, Owen and I, as your listeners heard in the introduction, we had this, I mean, how many fathers did God give us at Southern Seminary? Uh, You know, people like Bruce Ware, who's obviously become uh, a more close father, but so many other uh, professors uh, there that they didn't just, uh, they didn't just give us the gospel, but their lives also, as Paul says to Thessalonians. I mean, and, and, and man, that is so, this, this isn't something that you can just think about, right? It's something that you have to, see and taste. And I know that's a little bit about what we kind of want to talk about in the second half of our conversation, just the, the, the more tangible nature of how this has kind of worked out among men and maybe among fathers in particular. Yes, and we're actually uh, making an executive decision here on the fly, and we're going to punt all that to the next podcast, and we're going to wrap up now because we got to dive into that. But but just reflecting on what you're saying, you're exactly right. There are huge sectors of our culture, of our society now, where honestly— you don't even really see a father. I recall this powerful story in the Northeast of a young man who was a father, interestingly, and saw that the boys in his neighborhood had nothing to do in the summer. This was pre-COVID, of course. Uh, and yet he started, um, he decided to start just a baseball league. Again, not a fancy guy, didn't have all these high-flown ideas or something, a new way to be a man. He just wanted to let boys play catch, you know, and hit home runs and that sort of thing and get all the experiences of of Little League Baseball. So he, he, he wasn't even a Christian. So he starts this this uh, Little League, and he finds that he almost instantly, without even trying to do it, becomes a father to scores right. of boys. Not because he has set himself up that way, not because he's all hopped up about it like you and I are, just because he's a man in a generally virtuous sense, um, taking a stand in society for the good of kids. So we have to recognize, man, all sectors of society. Fatherlessness is an epidemic. It's hitting the so-called white-collar sector. It's hitting the middle class. It's hitting certainly blue-collar world. And, man, th- this, is, this is really the crisis of our day. There are many different challenges. For that reason, Jason, uh, and I'll throw it back to you for a final word here, I am so thankful uh, that we are having this conversation. I'm thankful that at your church in Atlanta, which I strongly commend to listeners, uh, who are looking for a church in the Atlanta area, Christ Covenant, uh, th- that this culture is modeled because it has to be ideas, Jason. It has to be theology first, but then you have to take the theology 
and put it to work, don't you? Well, I want to say, I, I, I want to say, I want to echo what you just said there. And, and I do things like, for example, a biblical understanding of church leadership. Okay. And I, you may have some listeners that are egalitarian and obviously we would affirm so much of what they would believe, uh, um, in terms of what is the gospel justification. We, we can find a lot of common ground, but uh, maybe I'll, maybe I'm speaking to them or maybe I'm speaking to the guy that's listening. It's like, eh, you know, at Christ's covenant. Okay. We, we kind of drew the line and said, look, we're going to have male leaders and we're going to expect a lot from them. And we're going to have a complementarian understanding of the home and of the church. And, you know, I even, <laughs> I preached this sermon on biblical woman and there's sermon series on biblical womanhood. And we went to like the three hardest biblical womanhood texts, but, but we actually were able to see a lot of beauty in those texts. And we just kind of drawn those lines and our women loved it. They were grateful mm. for it. Um, um, and, 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 and not, that didn't come without any resistance. It certainly came with some resistance. We have a lot of professional women that are doing really amazing things in our city. They're really well-educated, but they're, they're seeing and this is, I think, what I'm getting to, and I, and I don't want to go too long here, but the, the, the fact that we have said, look, we expect a lot from men, and it's not like we're like trying to do this, but God is doing it. Like We just have these men, and they are initiators, and they do serve. We, we used to meet in uh, middle school before the pandemic, and there was a woman security guard that you know we had hired to help us out, and she, she just said, I've never seen a church where so many men serve. And you know, we just have men that are coming to us that are hungry for us. In fact, we're getting run over mm. by young men. I mean, I, I just talked to you. We're trying to hire <laughs> another pastor right now because we're just getting run over by young men that want to be discipled. And I think awesome. to your point about the guy with the baseball league, they need a father. They need a spiritual father. And um, I just want to say to men listening to this, um, and, you know, be a disciple maker. Put yourself out there. Um, particularly if you have any maturity in the faith, um, because this is God's design and it's something that we all need. Dude. Wow. Love it. Such good words. Thank you for those words. Uh, it's beautiful to hear about men streaming in to, uh, to your church, Christ covenant in Atlanta, uh, seeking discipleship. I think any church or at least many churches that put out a shingle along these lines, we don't mean for pragmatic reasons, but but simply to to honor God and do justice to his word through the power of the gospel, man, is going to see men respond, especially when this is modeled by a godly man in the senior pastor role and the elders. Here's the here's the final word I'm gonna say, and then we got a cut. Uh, I look to the parking ministry of the church, if it has one, it, not everyone does, to, to tell me whether this church has a culture of manly leaders. In other words, are men out there, let's say in the winter, it's Kansas City out here, uh, maybe a little different in Atlanta, but when it gets to winter and it's zero degrees, great here, Owen. <laughs> and, it's, uh, and nobody wants to be outside, are men still out there? Are they helping people park? Are they escorting uh, women to the door so they don't slip and fall? Are they helping little kids? These sorts of things. So I thank God for the spirit of manly leadership. And, and I look and I church. look for and I and I appreciate that. And I look at the parking ministry and I know we got to close, but I also look to the children's ministry. Do you have any men hmm. in your children's ministry that are willing to invest into? And obviously, we need women in the children's ministry too. Um, and, and you know, our kind of posture is. If we can get some great male leaders, women leaders will want to be there. Sure. And um, and but we need people modeling to those four, five, six, 
seven, eight, nine-year-old little boys. I mean, I got a four and a six-year-old that are full of energy. <laughs> and when a man tells them to calm down because they're not listening to the Bible lessons, they listen. And yes. so, you know, I yes. think that's too. Like, and I would just challenge any man, layman listening, looking for a place to serve in his church, go sign up for the children's ministry and go be a model to these young boys. We want you to be cold in the winter, and we want you to be corralling those kids in the basement. I love it, man. Amen. Thanks Amen. For, thanks for Amen. being on. Thanks for being on the podcast today, my friend. We're gonna we're gonna come right back uh, with another one. Thanks for listening to City of God, a podcast at the Center for Public Theology at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. We're so thankful you stopped by. We encourage you to continue to join the conversation at cpt.mbts.edu, the official website of the center. And we encourage you to follow us on Twitter and Facebook as well. Join us in coming days as we continue the conversation on what it means to be the city of God in the city of man.